today, and it is spot on. I'm glad you're here because it's uh, it's a worthy message. Be open for the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for my brothers that are gathered here. I thank you for Rome. Ask that you anoint him that he shares the word from you, Lord, your message. Ask that you be with Phil. Thank you for the breakfast you provided. Thank you for ceasefire. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Um, so it's on. You got to turn it on. <laughs> um, hang on. I uh, I sent a prayer. Uh, it was kind of a. Does everybody know our broken arrow? Uh, kind of like when a guy's in trouble, we we send out the broken arrow message. Um, does everybody know? You know when when things are are like hard and guy needs help, we send broken arrow and guys start rallying and so i uh on one of the text threads that i'm on with phil i uh i i i said broken arrow our brother is in great need this week because it's wedding week <laughs> and i said we need to here's our prayer for our brother yeah. dear father we pray for our brother that he would keep his eye on the ball that he would stay focused with the number one goal of getting his daughter down the aisle. And that's the only thing he needs to focus on. Because every woman in his world this week is going to lose her mind. And they will be crazier than normal, according to the great philosopher Mike Leach. <laughs> And Father, we pray that at the reception, Phil would present the file with all the current bills due, the car insurance, the uh, the car uh, note, the, the cell phone bill, and I listed out all the bills. Then he would be able to present the file to the groom, and she is off the payroll. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I I don't have daughters. Uh, had two sons that got married. Uh, my understanding is on the other side of the fence. Woo! It's a whole different ball game. Uh, the wedding industrial complex. Holy cow! It's much larger than the defense industrial complex. So guys, uh, glad you are here. Um, I I'm always just I tell people all the time I, something is happening. Um, for guys to get up uh, and be uh, at a gathering at 6.45 on Thursday morning. Well, some of us come at 7 unless we're doing the deal. Um, so, man, I just think, you know, something's going on. You know, God's on the move. Um, you know, the series that we're doing uh, is just the idea of kind of, you know, I, I love the run to the roar, right? Uh, because that speaks to this idea of, of the passivity of men. Um, some of you may have read the old book. Uh, well, I'm old. Uh, the book, uh, I, it, it, it's uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it was a book called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. 
Uh, some of you probably read it. And it's just the, the father passing on the blessing to the son, right? Biblical, uh, very, very good. Uh, but I always say, I, I want to rewrite that book. Uh, and, you know, it would be the blessing part two. Uh, and it would be the blessing, the reality. And the book would be pretty simple. First page, first chapter, passivity. Next page, passivity. Next page, passivity. About 100 pages with just the word passivity. Because I believe that that is the blessing that has been passed on to so many of us men. Some of you may be unicorns. I haven't met you. Where you had a father that was very engaged and taught you what it meant to love a woman, taught you how to regulate your emotions, uh, taught you what it means to have uh, relational and emotional skill sets, and talked about wholeness and maturity. Raise your hands. No, no. What we what we got is is passivity. And passivity is in our DNA. It goes all the way back to Adam, right? Adam was standing right next to Eve when the deal went down. And what did Adam do? He didn't do squat. And that thread of passivity runs through Scripture. Abraham, you know, they couldn't have a baby. They're old. And, you know, Sarah comes to Abraham, and she says to Abraham, Abraham, you know, I think it'd be, a, I'm old, can't have a baby. I think it'd be a great idea for you to have sex with the young maid and we'll let her be the surrogate mother. And Abraham, being the man of integrity that he was, Abraham said, no, uh, gosh, Sarah, that's a great idea. Right? And look what happened because of Abraham's passivity. Hello, Isis. And that, that thread just runs through Scripture. And I don't believe that things are much different today with men and passivity. And this idea of run to the roar is certainly looking at your own life, what is going on, the things that you need to change, the things that you need to do different, the things you need to let go of, working out your salvation it is the process of transformation and so many men are passive when it comes to that and then once we kind of get that in alignment what we need to be doing is advancing the kingdom of god the the three goals in the christian journey is number one to become a great lover like Jesus. And that's not kind of Hollywood love. <laughs> it, I mean, we have such a misconception of what love is. I mean, in this, this sexually bankrupt culture that we live in, I mean, love, we, uh, and as believers, as Christians, I mean, don't think that you're not infected by this stuff. If you're not being intentional, if you're just being passive and kind of, I don't know, showing up at church, you know, I'm good, whatever, right? If you, you're infected. We all are. 
and it has an effect. But to become a great lover, love is hard. Love is a choice. Love is not passive. Love is action. Love confronts. Love tells the truth like Jesus did. You know, we have this image of Jesus in the flowing hair and the golden glowing hair. Well, I'm, and, and I know I'm going to offend somebody and I, 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 won't, I want him to say I'm sorry. You know, it's like Jesus holding his little therapy support animal. Stained glass images, right? I don't, I, I just go, oh, thank you, Jeff. You knew I was going to say it. But man, that's not the, that's not the Jesus that I love and follow. The Jesus I love and follow is the Jesus that walked around picking fights with the hard-hearted, unaware, religious, rigid types. And Jesus was compassionate to the broken. He offered grace. He offered grace to the hard-hearted, but they, they were good. They didn't want it. They need. They had all the answers. They were right. Passivity. It is the enemy. And complacency. We just get in our own little world. Become complacent. Life's pretty good. Until it's not. And then we wake up to become a great lover. And then to become whole and holy. The way you spell holiness is W-H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S. Those two things are not separable. You cannot be whole without being holy, and you can't be holy without being whole. Wholeness is just a simple idea that, like, I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm able to, I'm, I'm an emotionally regulated man. I, am, I have the ability to function well in relationships, a relational skill set. And it is that, you can actually learn this stuff. It's an ability if you invest the effort to do it. You can learn it and you can do it if you're intentional about it, and it takes work. And then the third one is just simply to become my true self in Christ. You know, that term true self, ugh, always, anytime I talk about true self, I always put in Christ. Because my true self, <laughs> me on my own, in my own head, dude, that's a dangerous, dangerous place. A grown man walking around in his own head without adult supervision is not good. Oh, that's my true self. And then it becomes all about me. But my true self in Christ is who he created me to be from the beginning. And I am in recovery, recovering the life that God intended me to live. Jesus talked about recovery. I came to bring recovery of sight to the blind, awareness. You gotta collect the dots, you gotta connect the dots to figure out, how did I get here? Why is this going on? What's happening? And we're just unaware. Let he who has ears, let him hear. 
You know what that is? That's a statement from Jesus about awareness. If you're just unaware of all this stuff that's happened in your life, thinking it, oh, it didn't affect me, I'm fine. We have a sign for you. Here's your sign. So this idea of run to the roar is just really about action. And that just takes a lot of different forms. As I said, I believe the first action, I gotta, I gotta begin to look inside. Throughout church history, all the church fathers from Augustine to Martin Luther to John Calvin, in some way, shape or form, every one of them said, the journey to God is an inward journey. The more I know myself, the more I know God. And most of us men, we spend the first half of life building our outer world, right? Just life. I mean, we all do it. It's like, man, <laughs> we're building our kingdom. And we have very little focus on the inner world until, you know, we hit the midlife crisis which there's really no such thing as a midlife crisis. <laughs> what that is, is like the chickens have come home to roost. All that stuff that you thought didn't affect you is now, choo, it's bubbling up to the surface. It's like Jack in the box, man, the crank is turning and Jack's coming out of the box. That stuff that you haven't faced, dealt with, processed, it will take you out, and it does. And I am glad for that because I make a living doing that. It's great. Why am I talking about this? Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I tell pastors that all the time. Man, you guys are doing a great job. Look at our culture, obviously. You know, I'm driving by 10 churches to my office, which is like 15 minutes from my house. And I just go, what? I, I get to see behind the curtain. Our culture is, it is broken. So I want to introduce DJ Weiss. Uh, DJ, come up. And uh, I asked DJ to share. Uh, we've done this. We were doing it before Christmas. We had some guys come up and share about um, things that they are uh, uh, running to the roar with. Uh, this man right here, uh, this this guy, DJ, is a Deer Camp uh, alumni, uh, many Deer Camps. Uh, he he is a uh, he is a he's a groupie like me. Uh, we do men's group together, uh, and uh, DJ is a man of integrity, and DJ lives out his faith in a very real way. So I want my brother to share about a situation that I think, again, run to the roar, action. There's things to do. There's work to be done. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate mm -hmm. that. Uh, um, it's all good deal. Okay. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, running to the roar, a broken arrow, um, you know, living life with, uh, uh, I think, purpose. And um, so I'm going to just tell you a brief story and then uh, really just looking for uh, the community, for churches, for people to come together in a real way to help someone in a great need. So um, a good friend of mine uh, this past October died 
tragically in a hunting accident. Uh, he went, uh, his climbing stand broke. Uh, he fell out, out of his stand and, and died. Uh, his name was Chris Baker, and uh, he leaves behind uh, a wife, Michael, and six kids, uh, four which still live at home, uh, high school age to about eight years of age, and uh, uh, Levi, uh, Michael, Grayson, and Willow. And, uh, you know, really, um, I mean, I know it breaks all of our hearts, but I mean, obviously it impacted me greatly because um, just seeing the finality of life, um, we don't know when our last day, when we were going to be called. And, uh, and so anyway, um, unfortunately for their situation, um, Chris was a hard worker, uh, but like many people have met in my life, did not have life insurance. Um, and pretty much live from month to month, uh, paying the bills. Um, he was the sole breadwinner for the family. And, um, and now that he's gone, um, there is no nest egg. There is no fallback system. Um, there are members of Morrison Heights Baptist Church, which I spoke with his dad, and they have really stepped up uh, to assist the family in the dailies, I call it. Uh, but the current situation is that they don't they're not going to have a place to live much longer um and so what i've done is i've reached out to uh first to my home church redeemer uh seeing what their emergency ministries would be available to do um i've uh, reached out to another church uh to see what they're what they can do uh if anything and so uh i asked rome just and just kind of sharing with him what's going on in my life right i brought this up to him and he was gracious enough to allow me to Come before y'all and, and just uh, and really to to talk with your church, uh, your mercy ministries. See what can be done uh, there. We are trying to ultimately give them a place to live. Um, there is um, there's some scenarios we're working with right now, acquiring half acre land, putting a mobile home on it um, so they can live there. And um, and and because um, she hasn't worked in 18 years probably because she was a stay-at-home mom while Chris worked. Um, it's really hard to go get a loan when you don't have a job or haven't had prior work history. So working with the family to obviously she needs to get a job, working with with her to, to in those in that process. But uh, right now, just there's just not a lot out there. Um, and so we're, we're just I'm partnering with the family, uh, partnering with uh, the men in my circle, my community. And um, there is a benevolent fund that was set up at Morrison Heights for Chris Baker, um, if you feel led to give in any way. But really what I'm asking is uh, to go to your churches and, and, and challenge them to, uh, most churches I've talked to have been very gracious, uh, but really to reach out to them, to really take care of the, our widows and orphans. I think that's what Jesus has called us to do. And, um, and I'm, I'm wanting to, to, to reach that call and go for it. So. Thank y'all for your time this morning. And, and, uh, and if guys want to, yeah. if they if they want to donate, uh, like how they get in touch with you. Sure. So really, yeah. the simplest way as far as donating really is uh, if you go to Morrison Heights website um, and type up Chris Baker, there is a link there where you can donate online, um, or um, you can be in touch with me or or own or uh, and and send them a check, whatever whatever you feel led to do. But, uh, but please, yeah, just uh, I'm looking to partner with churches and, and bring this together. And I think, uh, I think something, well, with God, anything's possible. So I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. So. Mm -hmm. But thank y'all. Mm.
Thank you, DJ. Yes, sir. Thanks, Thanks Ron. Appreciate it. Yeah, love you, dude. Um, action. Widows and orphans. I just often, I look at churches and I look at, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? There's some great programs and some really nice buildings and but the fields are right, right in front of us. It's amazing. I always say, man, I've been beating on pastor's desk for many, many years. <laughs> about primarily one thing, uh, about a one-trick pony, but it's like every time I talk, uh, I think you guys know it's going to come up, is just this issue uh, around pornography. Uh, it, it's the real pandemic. Uh, I, I want to read you. Th this is this will absolutely just boggle your mind. It, it does mine. If aliens came to Earth to study how humans use the internet, they would find one of one one of the most popular pornographic websites has 64 million visitors each day. The equivalent of 729 visitors every second. Now this was in 2016. Oh, by the way, things have not gone in the other direction. This was 2016. Humans watched 92 billion, B, billion, videos from this one website there's other ones out there an average of 12.5 videos per every person on earth man woman and child this adds up to 4.6 billion hours of pornography watched in a single year 4.6 billion that's the equivalent of 524,641 Earth years of pornographic footage watched in a single year on one pornographic website that you can access in the palm of your hand. And so can your children. It's no big deal. And this isn't your daddy's playboy anymore. It's the heart of darkness. So, another run to the roar action. Um, I hold in my hand Senate Bill number 2346, Mississippi Legislature. An act to require any commercial entity that knowingly or intentionally publishes or distributes material harmful to minors on the internet from a website that contains a substantial portion of such material shall be held liable if the entity fails to perform reasonable age verification methods to verify the age of individuals attempting to access this material. This is modeled after a law in Louisiana. 
Louisiana is the first state which I was shocked that it actually passed. Every time something like this comes up, oh, it's uh, censorship, First Amendment, free speech. Well, it seems that like this kind of free speech is all, we're all in for that. But don't talk about things that are true. We'll outlaw that in your speech. And I just like, man, I, I was shocked. Representative Lori Schlegel in Louisiana, uh, she's also a counselor. <laughs> she's the one that introduced this legislation and got it pushed through, and they passed it, went into effect January 1st in Louisiana. I found out about it. I don't know how I missed it. Usually I'm kind of on, it's on my radar, but I missed it. And then I saw it. Guy that uh, another counselor in New Orleans that I know works with her. I reached out to him and I said, I need her contact info because we're getting ready to do this in Mississippi. This was a Thursday, uh, uh, two weeks ago, and then found out on Monday that the deadline to get legislation in the hopper was Tuesday afternoon at five. Ah, I'd reached out another uh, young guy, uh, Cade Yates, who works for one of the conservative PACs. Uh, I printed out the article, saw Cade at men's group. I said, dude, you're going to be my political point man. He opens it up and goes, holy, I won't say what he said, but yeah. Anyway, uh, he said, dude, I'm on it. He got me in touch with a guy that works for the Alliance Defense Fund who got me in touch with Dr. Jameson Taylor, who's with the American Family Association. Uh, he was the guy that pushed the case all the way through to the Supreme Court and got Roe v. Wade overturned. Some of you may have heard about that. And so talked to him. He was he knew about this, and I told him, I said, I've already contacted uh, Representative Schlegel, Louisiana. Uh, is there any way we can get this thing in the hopper? He said, let me make some phone calls. And then Tuesday afternoon, he texts me, it's in. And then printed it out last night. Guys, again, an opportunity for action. Run to the roar, because this is, this, this is going into the heart of darkness, right? And you want to believe that in Mississippi, this would be a no-brainer? Oh, it won't be. But what I would ask, and I'll, I'll probably, we'll, I'm going to be reminding you and talking about this because it's going to take some work, as anybody knows, it's dealt with the drunken sailors. I mean, the, the legislature. Um, sorry, that's probably, uh, delete that, Jeff. Uh, when I worked for Siemens and uh, we had our lobbyists that worked, we, we would always talk about, man, the drunken sailors are in port, legislature's in session. Yeah. Um, but the, it, it's, it's in committee. Uh, it's in the Judiciary Committee Division B, and the guy that heads that up, the chair, is a guy named Joey Fillingane. Uh He's uh, Hattiesburg. I don't know if anybody knows him or know somebody that knows him, uh, but I want you to write this number down, 
this is your notes for this week, because you know me, I don't pay any attention to that handout. So th this is your note, all right? Write this down. Uh, phone number, office number, 601-359-3237. Joey Fillin' Game. Call the office. Say the number again. 601-359-9237. No, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Joe. 601-359-3237. How, yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, Senate Bill number 2346. That's all you need to know. Tell them you're calling. Uh, you want to get this thing passed. You're an angry, concerned citizen. Um, we used to, it used to be a democracy. They actually do what the people kind of thought was good. But guys, I just, man, I am passionate about this because I see the destruction. I, I, I see it. I, I, that's, what, that's what I've been pounding my head on pastor's desk up against a brick wall. Like, guys, what are we doing? This thing is taking men out left and right. I always tell people, I'm a Christian counselor. I'm not driving over to Shuckers loading the bus. I'm not going to the local beer joint say, hey, who wants counseling? No, it's, it's people sitting in the pews next to you. This stuff is an epidemic. And, and what we're seeing and what it causes, it, it is harmful. This is not a moral issue. This is a harm issue. It's real. So I would just ask you, man, get engaged. Don't be passive. You got grandkids. You got sons. Certainly it's for the children under 18. However, <laughs> uh, as a recovering sex addict, uh, back in the day, it's like, man, there's no way on God's green earth that I'm going to put my ID on some porn website. <laughs> Maybe you would. <laughs> Here's your sign. It's a deterrent. Is it going to stop it? No. But man, can we just try to stem the tide? We live in a bankrupt, completely bankrupt sexual culture. And this porn-demic, that's the reason. So, Get engaged. You know, we have a song we normally play, but Jeff, we're not going to play that song. Okay. <laughs> and y'all know, when I do this, we have a handout, and we're not paying any attention to that either. Actually, it's the one from last week, so you can catch up. It's now on the website. You can go fill it out if you want to. Whatever. Um, I do want to read... The Lion Maker Declaration that Phil has been reading um, with this series, Run to the Roar. I will quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. <laughs> Be the lion. I will set God-sized goals. I will pursue the God-given passions. I will go after a dream that is destined to fall without divine intervention. Be the lion. 
I will stop pointing out problems. I will become part of the solution. I will stop repeating the past. I will start creating my future. Be the lion. I will face my fears. I will fight for my dreams. I will grab opportunity by the mane and not let go. Be the lion. I will live like today is the first day and the last day of my life. I will burn sinful bridges. I will blaze new trails. I will pursue the next adventure. Be the lion. I will live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. I will not let what's wrong with me keep me from whispering what's right with God. Be the lion. I will dare to fail. I will dare to be different. I'll quit holding out. I'll quit holding back. I'll quit running away. I will use my gifts and brokenness to impact others. I will seek to be a brother and father to other men. I will live in community. I will fight. I will be the lion. I will seek to be like Jesus. Vision. What's your vision for your life? We gotta have a vision. We gotta be intentional. Otherwise, it's just a wish. And then we gotta apply the means to it. There's the action. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's the change. That's the engagement. That's the intentionality that has to happen. So I want to introduce you to another friend of mine, a guy named Nate Larkin. Uh, Nate is actually going to be here uh, in April. Uh, he will speak here uh, at Roundtable. Uh, uh, he's going to come to Deer Camp. He wants to learn and see our model. Uh, Nate, uh, we are so alike. Spirit meets spirit, like-minded. Uh, Nate will tell his story. Uh, he was a big church pastor uh, and a full-blown sex addict. Got into recovery, um, wrote a book called Samson and the Pirate Box, which is the greatest title of a book ever. And then he started the Samson Society. And the Samson Society is now an international ministry with over 15,000 men uh, across the world. Uh, and uh, we, uh, LifeWorks Counseling, uh, we are the clinical partner uh, for the Samson Society now. And Nate and I, like I say, it's feel like we've been buddies forever. Um, and so I just want to introduce you to Nate Larkin. I am second. I thought that the day my story came out, my ministry would be over. Turns out that's the day it started. Reputation was everything for me. I set out uh, to build a good reputation and to protect it, which meant that there were parts of my life that I couldn't let anybody see. There were some battles I had to fight alone. I got my first look at hardcore pornography 
on a seminary-sponsored trip to New York City. My wife was with me. They took us on a tour of Times Square so that we could see firsthand how women are exploited by the sex business. I was shocked by what I saw and disgusted by it. But I was also fascinated. It hit me, hooked me deep. I didn't just like porn. I became obsessed with it. And it eventually took me places I never intended to go. So before I know it, I'm a, I'm a pastor, married, three kids, and I'm picking up my first hooker on my way to lead a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. I only lasted five years in the ministry. I was never caught, but I was terrified of losing my reputation. My life was out of control. I'd lost any hope that I could stop what I was doing, so I bailed on the ministry, went into business, succeeded in business. But that's about the only thing I succeeded at. Those were dark years. My life got smaller and smaller. I hated what I was doing. I remember so many times screaming at God as I pulled away from some place I shouldn't have been, banging on the steering wheel, saying, take this away. I don't want to do this anymore. He never answered that prayer. Eventually, I concluded that either he didn't care or he didn't exist. Today, I'm so glad he didn't answer that prayer. I think we're all made for intimacy. But intimacy carries its risks. People can reject us. People can disappear. They can die. Pornography offers this artificial intimacy with no risks. So every day I said hello to, to the woman who wouldn't laugh at me or who found me attractive, engaging. And every day I gave a piece of myself away. It left me emptier and hungrier every time. And yet I kept coming back. I was oblivious to what it was doing to my wife. Until one day she caught me. I don't know how long she'd been standing there, but she was crying. And so I apologized and we talked it through. I was still afraid. A few days later, she found a, a condom on the floor in the bathroom that I couldn't quite explain. This time, she didn't cry. She sat me down on the edge of our bed and she said, I'm done. I still love you, but I don't like you. I don't trust you. I don't respect you. And I don't believe you can ever change. That's what it took for me to get out of my private world. Living in the truth 
walking in the light, no matter how other people might perceive it. I mean, that's, that's freedom. And to know that I'm, I don't have to perform to be accepted, I always felt bad that I wasn't a better person. I even created this false self, this Saint Nate, that I tried to breathe on its own. I felt bad that, that Saint Nate could only leave the church. Now I know that Jesus never loved Saint Nate, because he didn't make Saint Nate. He made me. Jesus loves me, wants a relationship with me. And that's the only real relationship there is. There's a tremendous liberty when you arrive in a place that's safe enough to bring your real self and say the real truth. There were men who did that for me, Christian men. And I found that I could give the same gifts to another guy, sit down over a cup of coffee and just tell him my story. And even if his life is different from mine, and everybody's life is different from mine at the details, something about my story resonated with his. And so many times, by the time we finished, he'd say, well, you know, I've never told anybody this, but he got a taste of freedom too. Because of my addiction, I now understand that but only God is the center of things. He's actually used my addiction for good. Because of it, I've been forced to join the human race and surrender to a power greater than myself. God is good. God is love. And if I'll follow the path that he's laid out for me, I can live every day in the warmth of his love, and I can reflect it to others. I don't think I ever really met Jesus until I stepped out of my, my church persona and became just another desperate, broken man. Mm -hmm. That's when he really became real to me. This isn't the ministry I, I planned. <laughs> But I know it's mine, and, uh, and my wife knows it too. We're in it together. My wife will tell you today that she's been married to two guys named Nate Larkin. Hmm. And as hard as those first 20 years were, she'd take him again to get the last 10. Hmm. I'm Nate Larkin, and I am second. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Job 14, 1 and 2, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow he does not endure. 2 Corinthians 6, 4, but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance, 
in afflictions, in hardships, in distress. Life is hard. That's reality. And here's the path of life. Uh, just a way to look at it, I think. So there's this thing that's happening, uh, and this thing is called life, and it is moving forward. It does not stop for you. <laughs> it, it's coming at you, right? And so there's three realities that come with life. I just read them. Pain, uncertainty, and work. Work is not just vocation. It's part of it. You know, we, we, we take the, the, the curse and make it literal, like you will labor and toil out there in the fields, right? You'll all be farmers. Now, what God is saying in that, he's saying in Eden, it was effortless. I guess they were laying around eating grapes. I don't know. Everything was provided effortless. And now it's going to take effort. Anything that you want in life, it's going to take work. We all know that intuitively. Anybody tried to lose weight? <laughs> you try to get better at golf? Uh, I mean, whatever it is, you want to get in shape? You want. Everything in life takes work, effort. And that's where we're living today. And then uncertainty. <laughs> uncertainty. That's the anxiety of this world today. We can't control it. Don't know what's going on. What's going to happen. And we have very little faith. Trusting that God's in control. I don't know. But I trust. And then work. And so, in order to walk this path of life, I believe there's three things that we have to have. Number one is integrity. And that's that idea, like, I've got to figure out what's going on with inside of me. I, I want to I want to live out my integrity. And that's a well-boundaried man. That's all boundaries are. It's your integrity. What I will do, what I will not do, what I will accept, what I will not accept. That's a well-boundary man. And that's your integrity. That's your value system. And if you don't get that nailed down and defined, you'll just keep doing what you do. I have to operate out of my integrity. And then resilience. And resilience is just the idea. I get knocked down and I get up again. I believe most of us men, uh, except for the snowflake generation now, most of us men have an innate sense of resilience because growing up was like, yeah, the bone's sticking out, rub, rub some dirt on it, get back in there, right? I mean, we, we just, it, it's there. Now, sometimes you get short-circuited because of the pain and we go to some escape, medicating, numbing behavior. Our distress reduction behavior. And then flexibility. Flexibility is just the idea I've got to adapt. I've got to change. I don't compromise my integrity, but I'm also not rigid. It's not supposed to be this way. It's got to be my way. Ah, Very rigid. Rigidity is a major, major problem. You've got to learn how to flex. 
if you're going to walk the path of life. If you don't, life will be kind of sucky. And overarching this is just the idea of acceptance, the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Change the things I can and the wisdom will never differs. Accepting hardship, the reality of life, accepting hardship is a pathway to peace. Acceptance may be one of the keys to life. I don't accept somebody else's craziness. I, that Again, back to integrity and boundaries, that's number one. But I can be with that person I don't have to agree with them or condone what they're doing. But I can accept, right? Or we can go in this direction. And this is the spiral. This is the maze. This is where we get stuck. And then that's the anger, shame, guilt, envy, lust, fear, anxiety, depression, on and on and on and on. Blame. She's mean to me. My boss, he's good, blah, blah, blah. And what, what this is, and we live in it today, it's just victim. It's a victim mindset. The whole culture is just everybody's a victim. And I believe that the reason we get stuck, and we can all drop into this, right? We've got to be aware of it. What's going on? Why am I dropping into this? I know the way out, but the reason is it's the past, and it is just the unresolved trauma in our lives. I, I, that song, just read the lyrics. Uh, you can go listen to it. Uh, it. It's kind of a sad song, so I didn't want to play it. <laughs> uh, but, but he's just talking about the family dysfunction and the effect of it, right? Now, again, we've all got that to some degree. Every family's dysfunctional. There's just degrees of it. But everybody's got something. And at some point, you got to accept that was the reality. Now I got to do something different and I got to move on. Jeff, put that scale picture up there just real quick and I'll close with this. Um, but the, it's just unresolved trauma, the stuff in our past that we're unaware of, or the nuns, not the, not the sisters, not the Catholic sisters, the nuns. Those are the people who think. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Now that didn't affect me. Mom and dad were crackheads, locked in the closet, burning with cigarettes. But I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Stuff has an effect. And God tells us this is this is the fifth commandment. Honor your mother and father. Again, it's not blaming. I get that often in counseling. It's like well, you're blaming parents. No, it's just naming the reality of what I grew up in. The facts, fact, impact, and track. That's all it is. And you know what? God affirms it. You know, the word honor in English language is a crazy maker. It breeds this kind of family loyalty. I can't say anything bad about mom and daddy. That's not what God is saying. The Hebrew word in that, this is the fifth commandment. The word is honor. The Hebrew word is kaped. And it's a picture, Hebrew language, word pictures. It's a scale. Even, even in the fifth commandment, what God is saying is weigh it out. Mom and dad are broken just like you are. Huh. Welcome to the human race. 
They're broken just like you are. And what you have to do, you have to be aware. You have to see the good. You got some good. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just had sex and you showed up and that was it. But that was good. You wouldn't be here otherwise. So there's, there's good that you got. And then there's bad, right? I just, that's the dysfunction. The sins, the dysfunction of the fathers and the mothers will be passed on to the third, fourth, fifth, forever generation. It's not literal sin. It's the dysfunctional behaviors. And God gives us a picture of it in the Old Testament. He shows us the family systems and they were all jacked up. How, how do we not get this? And nothing's changed. Weigh it out. You got to see the bad. You got to see the good. You got to figure that out. And it also has a double meaning. It carries weight. It has impact in every relationship you will be in the rest of your life. And if you don't become aware of it, you will live life like the directions on a shampoo bottle. Some of you ball guys don't know what that says. But uh, if you ever just turn around in the shower and read it, it says, lather, rinse, repeat. If you do not become aware of it, you are destined to repeat it. And you will. It's about awareness, guys. It's figuring this stuff out. Collecting the dots. Connecting the dots. Correcting the dots. And then, in the midst of that, not and then, but even in the midst of it, as you're doing that work, you're figuring this out, you're engaging with others, you're getting feedback, they're helping you see yourself. We can't see ourselves until we see ourselves through the eyes of another critical community, authentic community, honest community. I need feedback in order to grow. But I'm working with this stuff right we've all got to be engaged collect the dots connect the dots correct the dots get engaged take action and build the kingdom that's why we're here that's it father god thank you uh just for the men that are in this room um engaging uh in life in life to the full, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And Father, we want life and we want you. And we are grateful. We are thankful for who you are. Jesus, we acknowledge your presence here in this room right now. And we are so glad that you are with us. Amen. Have a good day.